Welcome, one and all, to the second Pop Culture Halloween special. This year, we discuss the slasher film, one of the most divisive subgenres of horror. Slashers take us to dark places populated by masked monsters and their unwitting victims. Often criticised for their lack of depth, their anti-intellectualism, thin characters, shallow plots, and a disappointing lack of subtext. So join us as we talk about these films tonight and we discuss how Michael Myers plunges his large, robbing knife into the moist, quivering body of a teenager. Wait, what was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Halloween night, 1963, in Haddonfield, Illinois, there would be a gruesome case of sibling rivalry between kids in the Myers family. When Michael, a six-year-old, leisurely walked into his sister's room silently and butchered her body so violently, he left for a mental facility. And when the state hospital deputy relaxed the maximum security, then Michael would stop waiting patiently for another chance at a murder spree his doctor sam loomis tried legally to put him away for eternity said my patient has no humanity but others did not exactly agree they said michael was the epitome of the ideal patient's activity no crying no talking no moving he would just sit and stare absentmindedly yet 15 years later he wandered free by breaking him from his captivity now all he had left to to flee back to his old peaceful community where his house was sold by Strode Realty whose daughter became inevitably the subject of all his hostility a true Michael Myers authority who has the uncanny proclivity to suffer no serious injury while friends who are in her vicinity without fail become a casualty they fall victim to his insanity they're strangled and mangled creatively they're grabbed and then stabbed hard repeatedly they're decapitated so easily <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> did you did you start daydreaming as you said that? Or that was, anyway, <laughs> welcome everybody to Pop Culture. I am Scott. I'm Jason, and I'm Monica. And welcome everybody to the Halloween special. Hey. Hey. Oh, I don't know. Why that's so upbeat. Well, that was good. That was good. I've, I've received some good feedback. Uh, people did believe that I ripped a uh, wolf cry for uh, Monica's wolf cry. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> yep, that was excellent. So um, we're doing uh, something a little different to last year. Last year, I think Jason and I just sort of like rambled about the best horror movies and the worst horror movies ever, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. So um, this year, we're going to be reviewing Halloween Kills because what better time to talk about Michael Myers than on Halloween? And we get the, I'm not going to say gift, we got the movie Halloween Kills. And we're also going to talk about our top five slasher films, given that uh, Michael is one of the first of his kind in this regard. So, Halloween Kills, 2021, although made a little while ago when we've had it uh, COVID delayed up. So, directed by uh, David Gordon Green, again, who directed the 2018 revival Halloween as well, written by Danny McBride and David Gordon Green and Scott Team, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, and pretty much everyone else from the, the last film who lived. What a turd. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was, I was, I was really excited. I was legitimately, I was honest to God excited because the last really? one I really liked. I, I didn't mind the last one. The last one I sort of went, yeah, that was fair, fair film in terms of the Halloween franchise, and um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis had the chance to sort of, I guess, develop the character as much as you can in these sorts of films, and it, yeah, it sort of felt satisfying. But this one, this is like going so backwards. I, I sort of just really, I didn't want to keep watching, to be honest. And then I got to see that end part and it just confirmed what I thought was going to be going on anyway. And it was just so horrible. It was so horrible. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean in the good way of a horrifying film. It was just like very mean, I, I felt. You know, it, it was sort of one of these films. You, you can do slasher films and you can go, okay, there's a force out there that's evil. And I think, you know, slasher films always have some sort of evil entity, usually human, 
-hmm. that goes about killing people you sort of not i wouldn't say totally indiscriminately but usually and um viciously but this one just sort of seemed to pick targets that tried to go for a real mean streak to make it like go oh that's really horrible that he's killing these people but just never felt anything more than that it's hard to describe it it's sort of i've found it a little bit too gratuitous in a voyeuristic way um and that's the best way i could describe it in watching them i, I do expect things to be graphic and violent and you know i guess creative in that violence but this one just seemed to have this weird streak to it that made me not sort of go it's icky but just mean Yeah, I think that's um, very fair. I don't have many experiences with the Halloween franchise. I've seen the original one and I thought that was an extremely good film. And the other one that I've seen is, unfortunately, what was it, Halloween H2O with Tyra Bay? <laughs> no, no, it's Halloween. Halloween Resurrection, you're... Oh, what, you're whatever there, it is. Which might be, might be uh, well, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, but with this one, I just felt that um, maybe the intention was to build upon the boogeyman-like quality of Michael Myers indiscriminately killing and anybody in his path. But I think, uh, Jason, you're quite correct in your assessment. It's voyeuristic. It's mean-spirited. It's almost meaningless, really. It, it doesn't make him terrifying or scary. It just makes him some sort of mindless robot that just you know slashes and kills pieces of meat mm. it i i found that like usually i think i think you're meant to care for these people in these films and that's sort of the only way you can build tension in a slasher film i think is that you don't necessarily want to see the people get killed and i find the worst slasher films are the ones that like where it's just a body about a body count and this yeah. film was populated by such thoroughly unlikable people that it just became about like torturing them in these sort of horrible ways. I think not only unlikable, also um very underdeveloped. In a oh, way. they were all like just either archetypes or like caricatures. Mm. And then the sort of um, I don't know if they were trying to do like social commentary on mob violence and stuff. And there's quite like a weird chunk in the middle of the film about like the mob wrongfully killing someone and and I'm like, are you are they trying to say something here or Yeah, I just found that a bit of a tokenistic gesture to almost excuse him killing them, actually. It was sort of weird how they put it in there. I, I sort of went, okay, it's a fair sort of comment if you wanted to but it just wasn't placed in the right sort of film or given the right positioning in the film to either make him more of a vengeful person to those who do wrong or uh even commentate on that mob violence stuff that well so mm. i sort of went yeah it it, maybe it was something to do with what's been going on in America over the last few years and they're just trying to bring that into it. But I feel like this was done before all of that. Though. I mean, I, I know no, it's sort of been on the boil for a while, but it certainly boiled yeah. over last year. Uh, yeah, it boiled over last year, but I, I, I think it's been sort of happening on a rise in America for quite a few years now. Mm. Um, and that sort of, I guess uh lynch mob mentality of americans that you find does happen and definitely happens but it, it sort of had this weird ending point of trying to point out how it was fruitless because he's almost supernatural and that well, he, he becomes he becomes absolutely supernatural at the end. Yeah, but it was sort of weird because the original Halloween for me was, yeah, okay, he, he tends to cope with a lot and survive, you know, enough to kill people and he is a bit of a leviathan, if you want, in terms of a human being, this hulking human being who can 
you know, have, uh, I guess, psychotic strength and abilities. But th when they took it to the end of this film to make him just a supernatural being that is relentless and unstoppable explicitly, mm. <laughs> I, I really... Yeah, I just really just went, nah, sorry, you've lost me. It's It doesn't mean anything anymore because a lot of the psychology of the original one was this tension of the Doctor and Michael's being, you know, I guess uh, he's ill, mentally ill, and trying to work around that and what had happened and the fact that he just keeps going back. I'm imagining that they're trying to set up some resolution to this whole beginning of it uh, because they brought back characters from the original. This movie is well. like legacy characters, the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not, and it wasn't done especially well either. So it's, <laughs> wasn't it, done it's a shame. at all. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you get what I mean. It's sort of like, you're going to bring all these people back to try and make a through a thread that ties up. Yeah. Through line. I, yeah, I don't think it even sort of left a frayed thread for us to go, ooh, how's this going to end? It just sort of went, oh, okay, he's going to be something that's unstoppable. And it's either A or B. A, Jamie Lee Curtis finally gets him, or B, he goes on, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all, I can, that's all I can expect now of the next film. I don't find there's anything more to really find out, and it's... Yeah, I, just, I think it's sort of like the old one walked this line where you had sort of, yeah, the psychologist being like, no, you don't understand. He is the embodiment of evil. And like, this isn't a psychological thing. And I think they were trying to explore that, but it just didn't, it just came off really ham-fisted. Mm. By then being like, oh, he's actually like some sort of, for no reason at all, this unstoppable supernatural entity and that the more, the more he kills, the more powerful he becomes. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, so I really didn't enjoy it. Uh, I was, it's one of those few films that I didn't think I'd get to the end of. But you because did, we're but... doing the review, I went, okay, I'm going to go right through. And gee, I was sad I went right through it. Yeah, I couldn't help but feel like at the, at the very end when you have that sort of mob group and they all decide to sort of, you know, have an intervention, as it were, with Michael Myers. You saw earlier in the film, he took on a whole group of firefighters as well. Yeah. Who had, yeah. you know, weaponry, skill and everything. I'm like, why would they bother repeating that? <laughs> it, it, it made no sense to me. Like, I can understand the emotional charging of that group of people, but we just saw him waste a whole, you know, a, a similar number of people in a public setting on the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, it's mean-spirited. I don't know what the setup is. It doesn't feel like it's a middle film for a trilogy of any sort. It, it just felt like an odd, this sort of... I don't know, because it's, it's a direct sequel in that it literally picked up moments after the end of the, the previous film. But it just meandered in this, like... like Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael never meet in the film... Like, which was sort of what you kind of were, I think, I think was hoping for some sort of like that's this, it's all about been about their confrontation for years. And mm. she just sort of mumbles nonsense in a hospital about him being this unstoppable monster. Didn't, doesn't bother to warn anybody about her, her concerns, but and then you have the character played by Judy Guerrero as well, who is you know completely underutilized and wasted in the movie as well, only to become a sacrificial lamb, as it were, to, I guess, to stoke the fire for Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, to motivate her on. character. Yeah, I was just like, oh, that's a bit unnecessary. Like, the amount of talent wasted in this, like, Will Patton just sleeps for most of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, who uh, we all remember fondly from The Breakfast Club, as this um, grizzled-looking leader of this mob hmm. yeah. was an odd, odd character, Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Poor leadership qualities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't put that on his CV, can he? 
And then, like, down to the weird, just odd stuff, like the gay couple who refer to each other as Big John and Little John. I'm like, who wrote this? That feels like a Denny McBride idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was was just... um, It was just bad, like... I don't. I think I just. I think I. I mean, like, even for what makes a good slasher film, it, you know, the gore and all that stuff. It was all of it was just yeah, like you said, just mean, and it didn't have any of the kind of like weird, wacky flair that kind of the other like older slasher movies have and stuff. It was just grisly and yeah. There's not much else to say about it. It's like, I'm trying to think, what can I say? Um, Oh, look, I think Jamie Lee Curtis at the first part of the film seemed to be trying to make it work, you know, when she's just before she gets to the hospital and in the car and there's this really sort of grizzled, worn down character there that she's obviously trying as hard as possible to work with it but then it just gets overturned with the horrible exposition and um weirdly placing her just to the side for the whole thing as well i mean why wasn't she more in there i don't see any uh story mechanism that works for that it's like just bizarre the only mechanism it serves, I guess, is to keep her for the next film to come out because if she's put into this one, that could take her out too early. Because so. obviously, well, it doesn't matter now, does it? He's unstoppable. So Yeah, exactly. Unless she's, you know, maybe a secret werewolf or a vampire. I don't know. <laughs> what a twist. What a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough about a bad slasher movie. Let's talk about some good ones. Or about slasher yeah. movies in general, I think. Because uh, uh, the reason I say that, uh, when we started talking about this, Monica raised uh, a couple of films that were sort of, I guess, the serial killer genre. Yeah. And I thought about this since, and I was going, how how do you differentiate a serial killer film from a slasher film? Because they'll, they'll overlap. Because yeah. essentially, you know, Michael Myers is a serial killer. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, on the same token, could you imagine someone like Patrick Bateman in a Halloween movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I would one hundred percent watch. <laughs> or, or Hannibal Lecter. Be, be a lot funnier. <laughs> Patrick yeah. Bateman, not so much Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I, I, I think um Oh, he'd do it all with grace, wouldn't he? Yes. <laughs> and a plum. <laughs> with some fantastic cooking along the way. Um, I, and, a, and a stop for a key. No, I think I think what sort of separates them is um, a, a level of extreme, I think. I think slasher films have, there is a sort of almost supernatural or inhuman quality to these characters they're typically masked they they're typically dispatching lots of people in very exuberant creative and gory ways whereas something like Hannibal in the serial killer film there's a, there's a much more a psychological element that at play where it comes down to kind of the the killer's intellect or you know kind of more of a cat and mouse game between usually the police or the FBI after the killer as opposed to someone trying to survive a killer. Yeah, and I guess maybe the depiction in slasher films is what makes it different. I've been watching a whole bunch of them throughout the last couple of weeks and they are more characteristic of, I guess, horror films, whereas a serial killer film won't have those sorts of, um, they won't have too many jump scares or the violence won't be, as horrific as you would expect them to be in a horror film as well. So maybe it's also a bit of an aesthetic quality to it. And maybe back to what the sort of joking I was making at the beginning of the, um, of the podcast, I think there's more of a cerebral element to a serial killer film 
and kind of an anti-intellectualism to a slasher film a lot of the time. that You can have clever slasher films, and don't get me wrong, I've got some of my list, I think that are very, very good and smart films, mm. some better, much better than others. But then you have stuff like Friday the 13th, which is certainly not characterised by intelligent characters who you want to see survive. You root for the bad guy in most of those movies because you're like, fuck these dumbass teenagers, just kill them. Like... <laughs> yeah. I also think it's also teenagers are usually yeah. the victims of slasher films. Majority of drinking teenagers. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's probably more indicative of the target audience of a slasher film too. Yeah. Um, I don't think Halloween started the whole slasher film genre, but it, it certainly I think it laid the created film. it created what we know as a modern slasher film. Um, yeah, because there's, there's been a lot of killer films, so to speak, for since the 50s, if you want. But mm. the the Halloween film, the John Carpenter original, um, created that style and pacing and uh, type of victims and killings, sort of that we expect now from these types of films. And you know, it's sort of like the slumber party massacre the there's all these all of those sorts of names help you define them and yeah with the serial killer films they they certainly got that sort of forensic almost you don't often see the deaths you often see the victims more post or or, or post yeah post analysis sort of thing yeah yeah so and then so the hunt is really between uh cops detectives or last victim almost victim and the serial killer and you you sort of have those Mm. more intimate i think aspects to it than the slasher film which definitely relies on things like body count um definitely relies on things like creative deaths uh that that has to happen in it it can't be just all the same every Mm. time and definitely relies on the sort of tension of the chase if you want so uh and that's that's a key part i think it's yeah, this... someone is there almost away and then they trip yep yeah and, and that's I think a the... big i think the big aspect is a mask i think once you have a you have a killer that is inhuman it takes away their humanity you, you like you don't i mean hannibal lecter is masked but you still see his eyes and it's more about him being in captivity rather than being a masked killer Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when he kills, he's not necessarily masked. So, no, no, exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, you have that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people put it in that boat with like the you know the mask. But like, mm-hmm. like all, looking at my list, I've got five films here. One of them, the killer doesn't wear a mask. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Mm. But yeah, it's it's in and in and this is probably where Halloween comes into it. I think um, mm-hmm. Halloween created that aspect to it uh, because. Friday Thirteenth was not originally a masked killer as such. No, it was Mum. Yes. So but you never saw the killer at all. You saw like usually the implement. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's it. Uh, and then they... it wasn't until the second one where you have Jason with the pillowcase on his head. Mm. Not not even the hockey mask that didn't come until later. Mm. So yeah, the mask is obviously important. Um, <laughs> It, the the views the social commentary in slasher films though tends to be a bit dodgy. I have to say, it's sort of like they're, they're... yes, the uh, the lesson I learned from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight: Jason takes Manhattan. Yes. Was, uh... <laughs> no, they're just they're. They, I think they're more shallow. Yeah, but it sort of relies on this very Puritan almost ethic. For us to go, you know, don't you're have die sex. If yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't drink alcohol, don't, don't do touch drugs. the marijuana, mm-hmm. don't steal things, don't break and into the, something. And if you're a virgin female, your odds are they're in your favor. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Which so, is a weird, yeah, like a weird. Yeah, you're right. Weird puritanical view of the yeah. world. Yeah, it, it is. And it's a, such a bizarre aspect. And I think it's what's made it really hard for me personally to enjoy a lot of them because I look at it and I just sort of go, it's stupid. 
Well, it's, I'm not going to say stupid, but it, it's sort of uh, a black and white ethic on things that are far more complex mm -hmm. than it's treating them. And I think, you know, if you're targeting teenagers as your audience to sort of go along that line, yeah, you're not doing anyone a good service there. It's... I guess it's more of a, um, I guess, a metaphor for good moral behaviour in the young people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus, they'll learn them. You can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> They're cautionary tales for teenagers. And, you know, um, <laughs> the older generation has put those rules in place for you and, you know. <laughs> this is what will happen. <laughs> so help me God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 as a teenager, there you go. As a teenager, I really enjoyed them. I had a Friday the Thirteenth box set. I had a Halloween box set. I had a Nightmare on Elm Street box set. I've seen a lot of these movies, and the big ones. I've seen all the movies in the franchise. And then I reached an age where I'm just like, this does nothing for me. And I think I got rid of all of them because I think there's diminishing returns. There's only so much you can take of watching a killer kill people in more extreme ways every single it's like the saw films it's like i just reached a point where i don't care anymore <laughs> you're not being creative you're just being gross yeah i i appreciate slasher films that have a bit more substance to them they maybe critique the genre as it were or they sort of try something new with it and that sort of gives me a much bigger return than your traditional you know slasher films which you know are very formulaic and a little bit boring which i think we might have we might experience when we jump onto our lists mm. well, i yeah, think they... i i I'll, I'll throw it out there now while we're going halloween i mean yeah <laughs> well it, it, it's certainly a genre defining film um it mm. i can't knock that one down and interestingly for a john carpenter film as well it's uh not not as action-packed as his normal films like if you think of his oh, for it's, a guy it's, who can turn out uh you know escape from new york it's yeah oh, and escape from precinct 13, 13 sort of thing. Yeah. yeah all those sorts of things it 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 has he's he's actually using restraint in some respects from a lot of his other stuff but it works so well for the film yeah mm. There's a good deal of build-up in Halloween too, where we get sort of glimpses of Michael from a distance and he disappears and mm -hmm. these nice sort of uh, like where she's looking out the window and he's standing in the garden and it it, it builds all that kind of the, the, the tension and the horror before you get to the kind of the slashing. Yeah. The, the, the babysitter massacre of... Uh, <laughs> 63 or whatever it is <laughs> and um i do have to say it's got uh one scene in horror films that i still can't remove from my head is and that's when there's a no it's when is yeah when he's a kid when he's actually a kid killing the babysitter oh the like, pov from the, the pov it, i mm. think it was one of the first times i'd really seen that used and uh I, even though we see it a lot now uh, it's it, cool too because if you don't know that like you see like you get the mask and put it on and the knife yeah. and then it's not till the reveal where you realize it's a, it's a child yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no but it, it wasn't even take the mask off. it's really effective yeah mm -hmm. but it was even just the point pov of the attack uh i think even though we're used to it now we've got games that throw us into that so we, we get used to this a lot more now than we would have then and so seeing that really made it a little bit more disturbing because I was the one almost doing it as far as mm. I could see as an audience. And that that made that scene really horrific for me and I saw it quite young. So mm. um, I can never forget it. It's a, a powerful moment, I guess, in slasher mm. films, having that there. Mm. I don't remember the first time. I saw it a long time ago, but I, I just remember sort of it's if I had to, you know, if people are always like, oh, you know, like Freddie, Jason, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Michael's my favorite. This movie is my favorite of those sorts of movies, I guess, of that era. 
of the starting franchises. I guess the pop culture icons, if you will, of slash movies. Because <laughs> that's probably the other big thing we didn't talk about is like these guys move merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of people with like Michael, Freddie, Jason, Chucky dolls on shirts, like that's a big Oh, cool. and masks and yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween costumes, like that's what probably a defining thing of slasher movies too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, 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 there was something about Michael and it's just a dude in William the mask painted white. That's really quite terrifying. Because <laughs> that's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was a yeah. start as a Captain Kirk mask. Yeah. Um, I I also liked. Uh, so Donald Pleasance in it? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I, Loomis. I think, yeah. I think having sort of, a, I guess, a better caliber of actor trying to put real character into things helps balance the film a lot more as well. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've mentioned the latest Halloween bit and the only one with gravity in there is probably Jamie Lee Curtis, who doesn't get shown that much in this one, in the latest one. And and the weird, the weird uh, deep fake Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. But um, when you see Donald Pleasance in the first Halloween, it just, it does bring a bit of gravity to it. And he works with that really well and convincingly. So it just adds that little bit more, uh, I guess, terror or tension to who Michael is and the potential of him because it's not being recognised by those people around him. Mm. And you've got a force for good as well. Like, he's he's the, he's the trying to save everybody and no one's listening to him. Mm. <laughs> no one ever listens to him. <laughs> no one ever listens to Dr. Lamer. I'm a doctor, damn it! <laughs> and, and, and I think that's the thing. Halloween Kills doesn't really have that character who's actively out trying to do the right thing. It's just a bunch of people going nuts. Yeah, there's no voice of reason. Yeah. So, so I had that on mine as well. Yeah, so I had I to. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. My next one is a little more of an obscure one. It is The Collector. Never heard of it. Oh, you're missing out. Am I? Yeah, no, you really are. It's good. It um and it it, it doesn't so, so it, there is a mask killer in the movie, but the, the the what is great about the collector is one hero is is the main character. It is not a movie about the killer. It is about mm -hmm. Arkin the hero. But what's brilliant is just the plot of the movie, which is Arkin is a thief. He's a burglar. He mm -hmm. breaks into this house on the wrong night. <laughs> he oh, okay. breaks into a house on the night that a masked murderer is inside the house. <laughs> and and you're left with this this guy who's suddenly like, I could steal everything or I should really save this family from this masked maniac and it, it just works a bit better because there's something more going on than your typical slasher mm. film okay yeah, yeah. I, I when you said the collector i thought of a john fowles book called the collector which was totally different still a bit of a horror <laughs> book too by the way like he wrote he wrote the magus and stuff like that but um yeah he did one called the collector which was about uh, sort of probably pre uh silence of the lambs and all of those sorts of yeah, things right. where yeah. uh he this i guess he's a psychopath he traps this woman and holds her and she's trying to sort of i guess partially seduce him partially get his favor so she can escape mm -hmm. and um a very old book comparatively so Probably, and it's a precursor. And so when you said that, I went, "Wow, did they make it a film?" No, <laughs> no. They well, there's certainly similarities because he, he's hit this guy's mo is typically that he he sort of kills this whole family, and the last person left gets added to the collection because they're worthy. Mm. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just a it's it's really good, creepy film with a really scary villain sort of patrols this house with his attack rottweiler which is terrifying oh he's got a dog <laughs> yeah oh okay that does make it a bit more frightening especially a rottweiler yeah it's, it's, it's got some really cool and it does have a sequel i mean all these movies have sequels and the sequel's not too terrible either because you, you once again are following this guy arkin who is just like had enough of this fucker <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah it works because you've got a really good interesting 
kind of anti-hero like this dude is there for all the wrong reasons but becomes quite a heroic character against a you know masked maniac so it's it's one of those ones that is um yeah it's just a bit better than the average slasher film yeah sounds interesting all right monica what do you have on your list yeah um i might throw a bit of a more obscure one that maybe not many people would consider a slasher film but i do um cabin in the woods I think is a really interesting way to take the slasher genre and twist it up a little bit because you have these archetype teenagers and their deaths serve a purpose to stop the world from ending. <laughs> and you have the machinations of this company ensuring the death of these teenagers that they tra- transgress and go through all the stereotypes of, you know, typical teenage behaviour in slasher films. And I just think it's so clever and it's fun and it's got this really sharp humour throughout the whole thing which just cuts through it. Yeah, certainly not. you're not dealing with a slasher per se, but it's like the slasher movie set up characters yes. location and then it's like uh, a, um, a random chance is what the... <laughs> Yes, when they go in the basement and they have all the toys and then it turns out to be the zombies and, you know, they have the... um, Zombie hillbillies. Yeah, because there is a difference according to the board, zombies versus zombie redneck torture family. (laughs) But, yeah, there's a lot to like about the film and I just find it's a really interesting way to look at the slasher genre. And it's yeah. and it, I, and I, it, I, it certainly, certainly opens doors and becomes something very different. It, it does, and it sort of ends on a really sour, not a sour note, but you know, there's no happy ending. Well, it's, it's a very, uh, I think it's a Lovecraft movie. I think at its heart, this, yeah, the old, the old ones will arise kind of thing. Yeah, exactly right. And you also have, you know, as the teenagers are going to this cabin, you know, they meet the creepy local country town guy but he's actually a plant from the office his name is mordecai who gets put on speakerphone to the office because they love listening to him oh god oh god he's still talking (laughs) (laughs) that's really rude (laughs) yeah Yeah, the typical yeah it's got all the the gas station stuff and Mm, yeah have all of those points and the way they manipulate the teenagers through um different sorts of pheromones gases um for one of them the character of jules who dies who decides to dye her hair blonde they put a toxin in it to make sure that she acts like the dumb blonde one (laughs) yeah like increases her sex drive and everything and Yeah, yeah therefore ensuring that her death happens in the way that it should and in the order that it should in the slasher film because normally it's the blonde one or you know I hate using this word and I'll put it in air quotes. The slut dies first. <laughs> yeah, it's either it's either the yeah, the promiscuous woman who has to be punished, or it's like the yes. the like the stoner disrespectful one who is kind of funny because once we kill the humor, the horror can start. Yeah, exactly right. And interestingly, the stoner one is the one who actually makes it to the end. Because his weed was so powerful, it, it, it overrode their programming. And, and he's kind of, you know, really on the money because he does suspect something is wrong. And no one yeah. is listening to him because he's a stoner. <laughs> I, I did enjoy it. I probably enjoyed it more because of that subversion of your expectations in it. And, mm. you know, when things go totally crazy with all the monsters and so on at the oh, end it's of fun. it. But yeah, it's yeah. yeah so, the one guy who but... finally gets to see a merman in action. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bradley, Bradley Whitford should be in every movie ever made. <laughs> I, I would agree. <laughs> good yeah. choice. Oh, that's good. I'm going to pick one which I think is probably even more defining than Halloween. Psycho. Because it is actually a slasher. Uh, it not as many victims, not as much of a body count. There is a bit of a body count, but you don't know that you've, you don't see it. <laughs> but um, it certainly set that whole feeling of slasher films and the horror from one that point of view of the killer definitely is thrown in there. Um, he's obviously a bit more than just. A psychopath he's a little bit evil and he's yeah. he's also he's also wearing a guise yes he's yeah. wearing a mask he's wearing his mother's outfit and everything so um 
I, I actually think he, that he's killed quite a lot of people in his I hotel. Think, but you, and, I, I, think, I think lots more people check in than they do check out and, of the Bates um, Motel. Yeah. But I do actually think that that's probably one of the beginnings slasher films. It's not, it's not a normal horror film. Like when you think back at it, it yeah, and you try it and extreme. define it, it, it's certainly gone down an angle that... I wouldn't call it a monster film. I wouldn't call it a serial killer film because we don't really, you know, he just kills people in the end. <laughs> it's like, that's it. And then you get a whole franchise of him. Um, you do. Yeah. So uh, I just think that that is probably the real modern beginning of the slasher film. And I, I think everyone's borrowing from what Hitchcock established at that time uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got the pieces. They're not as um, blunt. No, it's no, a little it, more refined. But also because it's not part of a genre at that point. Mm, it's original. Yeah, and mm. I think he's he's going. Yeah, I'm going to make a horror film. We know it's a horror film, mm. but he's taking his angle to horror films, which have all preceded it, and um, just put a whole new angle in there that we all will now talk about the music uh those jump scares with it the yeah. uh, camera angles all of that is still in halloween and yeah. the films that you've been talking about so far yeah and yeah it's... the killer watching yeah. the victim before it happens mm. and mm. yeah i think the world owes a tremendous debt to hitchcock because he's just touched every oh. single genre of film and horror from, yeah, from like yeah yeah spy thrillers through to through to everything but i think yeah. um in horror films that's where it's the most obvious because it was something that was horror movies had been done obviously before hitchcock i mean we talked about house on a haunted hill quite oh, recently. it's a silent cinema for us dr caligari the horror film and while mm. while we've been making films we've been making horror films yeah, but I think there's something about Hitchcock that has sort of reshaped it in a way that so many um, films since then have taken inspiration from because it was just so groundbreaking. Yeah, things like The Birds is sort of a precursor to kind of the nature horror film. Yeah, I love The Birds. <laughs> so, yeah, I... It took. I had to debate it with myself for quite a while there whether yeah, I... Yeah, didn't, I didn't put it on my list, but it's, it, it, it's worthy of the... But I can't put it to any of the other horror-type films. So I went, no, it is a slasher. Yeah. It, it's just not high body count in the one film, that's all. Yeah. Hmm. All right. On to the one on my list that I think might be one of the only one that genuinely scares me, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah, it's on my list as well. And with I a name was... like that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not seen it, but um, from all the images oh, in the story, it's something that I don't think I ever want to watch. Oh, Monica, you are all right. Next cult classic, let's go. No, don't do this to me. It, it, no, sincerely, it's, it's Monica it, to watch it. <laughs> it's not as um. It's, it's I think the I think what gets a lot of people about this movie is the name. Is mm. that is a that is a potent name, the Texas. Chainsaw yes. Massacre. That is a it's, fucking name. Um, and the film isn't thing. actually particularly graphic at all. <laughs> no, I was like, going to say, it's actually closer to Psycho than Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's almost no blood in the there's no blood in the film. There's like some little droplets in one scene. Mm. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's nowhere near as graphic as you sort of mm. think it is, but the family are just... I think what, what, what scares me about this movie is that I have no doubt in my mind that somewhere lurking in the rural parts of the world, there are people like this. I mean, the film Deliverance also exists, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Like this, this is, this is, <laughs> I have, uh, we know that people eat people. We know that um, there are people, opportunistic killers that you had the bloody enders. Like we know these historically, these people exist yeah. and this movie just captures a very grim look at that aspect of i think and i think toby hooper does a really great job of showing one sort of rural america but also like 
uh, the idea of uh, a, a, a new version of family. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's also probably one of these horror films that point out how sound design is so important to horror and it's phenomenal the sound in this if you get it's to eerie, hear it with good yeah. sound yeah it's that's where the horror is you mm. can you're imagining what you're hearing and what you're hearing is not good mm. yeah you know yeah you never so much he was always like i don't want to show it it's it's about if you can picture it in your mind it's more potent than what i can show you yeah, of course. It's like when um, you go and see a horror movie and you close your eyes. I think that's probably the wrong thing to do because what you're going to be way worse than what you see. <laughs> yeah, and this, and, this, and this movie, I think, is like that title paired with your imagination is horrifying. Yeah. But not a lot of, like, I mean, it's it's scary because this family is terrifying and what they do to poor... Um, Sally is uh, in that night of terror where they've got her tied up at the dinner table for a family dinner is just Jeez. scary. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's and like the masked killer, Leatherface, is like that's there's something so terrifying about that. I think like mm. this this character who is who he wears. He has three faces in the film, and he's his, his mask is somebody else's face. That's scary. Yeah. So you've got you know the ma butchering mask. He's got the the pretty lady where he's all dulled up and effeminate yep. at the dinner yep. table, <laughs> and then you've got the old woman where he's like this doddering. <laughs> They're like cook trying to cook their dinner, and these brothers are abusing him and stuff. <laughs> like that, what a character. And you get so much, and like to the point of like he's quite, he's obvious. There's something obviously wrong with him. <laughs> where oh, like no. this, there's a great, <laughs> there's a great moment in it where he, you know, after he's like horribly killed one of these kids, where he goes and sits in the living room and he's like got his hands on his head, and he's like so, he's like where are these kids coming from? <laughs> it adds this amazing depth to the killer. Like he, he's not just a remorseless killing machine even though he can be, it's sort of like this this really troubled, lost person that is just does what he's told and yeah, it's really good. Sounds horrifying. <laughs> it's coming. <Great. laughs> Can't wait. You'll I, I promise, I think you'll the way the the exorcist, you'll probably quite enjoy it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but um yeah, it's one of those movies that definitely gets under my skin and and, and creeps me out. Mm. I guess um, on, on a lighter note. <laughs> oh, okay. Now for something completely different. <laughs> and now for something um, slightly different. I've popped down on my list screen. <laughs> yeah, I had screen. I it's, like my num it's my number one. If I was to rank these things, I think this is the, it's the perfect example of a good slash film and it's the perfect critique. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's exactly why I love it so much. It's such an excellent critique of the slasher genre while being a really well-executed slasher. <laughs> I had a little provision on my edition of Scream. I actually went Scream and Scream 2. Scream 2 is good. Yeah. Only because putting both together is defining all of these slasher franchises yeah. Yeah. so yeah, well. It, 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 yeah, Scream 2 adequately critiques horror movie sequels as well. <laughs> It really, it really does. And yeah. um, also poor Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> poor long-suffering Sydney. Poor Sydney. Mm. She's yeah, going to I mean... suffer more next year. Yes, she is. Oh, really? Uh... Mm. Yeah, we didn't, you didn't, oh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. It was a, we, we got the trailer. There's a movie that we we're going to be reviewing later this week. And yeah, when Monica and I saw it, we got the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't get the screen trailer. five. Yeah. Ooh, I have to say, yeah. I am a little bit hyped. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it, it looks it looks a little more um, grim. It, it does. It seems well, to have a more severe kind of tone based on the, the trailer. The third one was sort of grim too, and fourth and so on. I, I mean, it did become... Mm. I, I personally think the whole franchise got a bit trapped in itself, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the first two films, like, uh, it's just amazing how well 
uh, both the script and the direction. Yeah, it's um, capture Kevin, everything. Kevin Williams? Yeah, Kevin Williamson. Yeah, yeah. Williams yeah. is it? Yeah, Williamson. And I think Williamson. Yeah, and Wes Craven yeah. directing, and it sort of captures everything that's in these slasher films to the beat, to the absolute beat, while <laughs> subverting the whole lot. Yeah, and still keeping you on your toes, watching it. The tension mm. in it is yeah, yeah, yeah. quite People amazing. Buy. Yeah. It's, it's so good and you also have um in the first film that opening scene with drew barrymore's character and you know how she's talking to ghostface on the phone and you know then you sort of see her frantically locking all the doors and then you see her boyfriend's out on the patio and it's just it's horrific and you just feel her stress and her anxiety yeah. and her and stress. really really clever that like drew barrymore was a name actress whacker on the poster whacker in the trailer oh she's obviously one of the yeah. main characters <laughs> Go on, yeah. in the first first scene before in you the, get your title yeah. Minutes, <laughs> yeah yeah i think one of the other really interesting things and talking about scream i guess as a franchise is we've talked about these killers being kind of iconic. And I think Ghostface is definitely one of those iconic killers. However, mm. Ghostface is is a different person every time. There's not, there's every not time. one person, yeah, that is doing this stuff. The, the killer is is dispatchable. It's just there's Ooh. always another maniac. <laughs> well, yeah, or in the case of the first one, there's two maniacs, but... Yeah. <laughs> but that's, yeah, yeah, the copycat sort of aspect to it and everything. But yeah. it, it also, I guess, critiques the celebration of all these characters too yeah. by the fact that, hmm. you know, it's excusing people to go do it. And it's, um, yeah, there's so much in these films that, that make them worthwhile. Uh, if you just like your horror, you're going to enjoy it. If you like something to actually make you think about the genre itself and filmmaking, it certainly has that in there. Um, and they're and they're genuinely funny. Like yeah. Sammy Kennedy adds so much levity to the films, and he's sort of like <laughs> if you're a fan of horror, especially where they're talking about like yeah, you can do this and you can't do that. There are rules. There. Are... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I also really love Matthew Lillard. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah. Like the rumor the rumor is that he's back in Scream 5. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, all right, I'll go for a it. Tea, like, surely just a TV wouldn't stop him. He was stabbed as well. <laughs> and he's got that great moment where he's going, I'm feeling a little sick here. Yeah, I genuinely enjoy him as an actor. He's good in Scream, like he's, he's so underused in. He's the oh, best on, Shaggy. Shaggy. Oh, yeah, he's, he's the only thing. Plus, Thelma. It's like in Scooby Doo, he's he's, he's Shaggy. He yeah. is Shaggy. He's also but in, um, he's also yeah. in um, the third season, the Twin Peaks revival. Um, oh, in oh is he? In one or two episodes, and he's brilliant. Yeah, I started watching it, but for some reason, I think you know, with kids, you sort of can't watch a lot of stuff that easily. So certain, quite certain get things you can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the ease of getting to them. And yeah. so, yeah, I started watching the new Twin Peaks and was enjoying it. It, it yeah. was obviously, yeah, I didn't I, get I had to see him. Basically the same, exactly the same experience. Like, I, I yeah. own it. I need to keep watching it. And I just haven't. It's yeah. a fever dream. <laughs> it's David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, enough about David Lynch and yeah, Twin Peaks. Great. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's any other aspects to it. I mean, I guess Scream stands out because not only is Ghostface the Munch painting, yes, the, the Scream, yeah. and it's it's probably one of the most multi multi dimensional slasher films you can get. There's not yeah. many, and mm. <laughs> not many at all, and so that's what makes it stand out. It's on my list. Yeah. Yeah, it was on mine. Yeah. It's, it's I've got one mine. left. Oh. And what's yours? Got one left. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, I had that one as well. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, only because we talked about uh, the needs of a slasher film to have these creative deaths mm. and... Something coming from your dreams, killing you in your dreams, and then you're seeing it happen in real life. And... Well, the, 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 the approximation of what's 
Yeah, it's sort of it's not quite the same, but it's no. And there's... Um, and yeah, there's. I think I think all the stuff we've talked about in terms of the the killer themselves, I think Freddy Krueger is probably the most recognizable horror icon there is. Yeah, well, Jason and uh, Mike Michael Myers look very similar. Like, you yeah, have a but he stands. Freddy Krueger stands out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Freddie, but Freddie's also a character. Like he, yes. he is this like non-talking, silent murderer. He taunts and he cracks jokes, and yeah. uh, backed by this phenomenal performance by Robert England. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's the it's the sort of I guess the antagonism of him. But he, I also, he really is like yeah. he's, he's, oh, he's yeah he's horrible, yeah. but. Uh, Probably more in a fun way than a mean way, but it, it's definitely horrible. <laughs> Cinema. You get what I, like I mean by I'm <laughs> no, I'm comparing it to uh, Halloween Kills. Yeah, so yeah. He's his character comes across more quirky and in that fun sense, but it's yeah. I mean, he's a horrible person, and he's burned to death, and comes back unjustly to yeah. have revenge on all the other kids. Uh, but it's also the surreal nature of the film. Like uh, I, I think that's what made it stand out for oh, me. Dream, dream. Yeah, just having that dream aspect and dreamscapes where a lot of horror films try to emulate nightmares, and mm. so like in its namesake, it's creating the nightmares and being able to explore them. Yeah, while and still that, like being that a little touch of film. escape, and but they they're hiding, but they're still like they obviously they can't get away. Freddy's controlling the world. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, he's referenced so much now, more so than a lot of the others. I mean, Psycho, well, he, even Psycho he probably even... would take it in terms of the ones we've mentioned in references, but uh, Freddy's yeah. definitely not far behind in a lot of references. Well, he had his own TV show. He <laughs> A version of him pops up in Rick and Morty. <laughs> oh, oh, Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the groundskeeper Willie episode. Yeah. <laughs> a, night, a nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. <laughs> I got my new shield and glove. <laughs> I left it on the bus. <laughs> Don't touch Willie. Good advice. <laughs> That's a great episode. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, Freddy has like permeated pop culture. Like I used to work in a pop culture store. The amount of Freddy Krueger gloves I sold while working there—holy crap! I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. they're not comfortable either. <laughs> it's a really effective way to killing someone. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and not to mention, like the film, the film. It's like Johnny Depp is his first big yep. thing, isn't it? Yeah, his first big film. Yeah. And there, two on this list by Wes Craven. I think Wes really knew what to do. He certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was inspired by a true story as well mm. of a uh, young boy in Japan who uh, begged his parents that like, if I go to sleep, something's going to kill me and would eat coffee grinds and stuff to stay awake. And then sure enough, when he fell asleep, he screamed and died. And that story stuck with Wes Craven. Mm. Probably on account of the coffee grounds, but yeah. Quite <laughs> a bit, definitely. I have to also give a little nod to uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It's like a great movie. The, it, it's a precursor to Scream in reality. Yeah, um, it was like he was testing the water with how far could you go with mm. a meta film. So if you haven't have you seen, seen that one, that one? No. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Nightmare on Elm Street? uh once but it was ages ago i don't remember it very well yeah. cool i remember uh, check, checking it out again and then watch new nightmare because it is it's, it's like freddie was real and um where's where even there's a character in the film who like he, he created the film to to trick everyone into thinking it was a fictional creature and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's like yeah some sort of spirit or something that it's been contained Mm. But then, because people stop thinking it was real because the yeah. film, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then it starts to gain power, and and so the actress from Nightmare Heather Langkamp, yeah, 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 she's yeah. in it, and things are going on on the set of the next film, mm. and uh, yeah, it's worth seeing just just because of mm. that 
it was done not long before uh yeah screen before screen okay and i think kevin williamson was doing um uh, what's the rodriguez one the faculty faculty which was sort of similar for the sci-fi. Yeah, it's thing. the sci-fi yeah. version of Scream. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, not quite as clever, though, I think, as Scream. No, it's still good. I quite like the yeah. faculty, but yeah, oh, it's, not as, um, it's not as... Uh, it, it's not as... I just don't think it's quite... It's, it's trying to critique as much. No. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you, you look at... Hey, you have the faculty and Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's new nightmare. Mm. You can see where Scream came from very clearly. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And it, it's definitely not down the same track as Nightmare on Elm Street, the full mm. horror part. It's still in it, mm. but it's yeah. got that slight weird and you've got the, aspect. The fantastic, like, like Robert England is playing the mm. real Freddy Krueger, who is quite <laughs> scary. The, not, the, <laughs> not, the, not the wisecracking Freddy Krueger. And then Robert England yeah. is in it. As Robert England, who is like right. a really sweet, sensitive guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, One of the other things about Nightmare on Elm Street, um, when it came out, it wasn't long after a television series uh, that was very popular at the time called V. And oh, Robert yeah. England was like the really nice alien in it. So he was really sort of, oh, as you said, sweet. Yeah, and he he was one of the ones that was trying to warn the human race a little bit and was on the friendly side of the aliens and mm. is really nice. And then all of a sudden you're seeing him being Freddy Krueger. It was such a shock. It was like... <laughs> Cutting his that, No, it's not the same person. That's not, no. And it just showed how well he did the character, though, because yeah. it's, it's a long jump from... Mm that character in V to Freddy Krueger. And I think it just set, set him up as a, in that sort of Bruce Campbell-esque icon of the horror genre. He's in every Yeah, he ended up doing movie. a lot of other horror films, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Mm. I'm tapped out. You're tapped out? Yeah, I've, tapped I've done out. all mine. I have one left in me, if that's awesome. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a more recent one that I've um, come into contact with. It's Happy Death Day. <laughs> I thought about that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It's I I really enjoyed it. It's so yeah. much fun, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, that sort of uh, Groundhog Day horror film, but yeah. um, it certainly holds its own. And because mm. um, it's made by the guy who made Freaky, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Who seems to have a, a very clear mo. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for Gilligan's Island meets. <laughs> <laughs> I just really appreciate the way in which you meet the character Teresa or Tree as she's known in the movie. She's not necessarily a, a nice person, but she also subverts the expectation of, I guess, the dumb blonde who is also promiscuous and does all these things. And she's incredibly clever and resourceful. And she ends up going through these experiences to try and sort of, I guess, narrow down who her killer might be. And I just find that really intriguing. Oh, yeah. It, it, she, it makes a real character, um, I think, which is really good fun. And um, I guess the, the only thing that I found problematic was, you know, it, it the mechanics of it is a big leap of faith into why yeah. it keeps repeating. Um, yeah, it's not explained, it, yeah. No, and it it's sort of one of those ones where you'd, Go why? Why would the Groundhog why Day would never really yeah, why what no, but see Groundhog Day was trying to sort of it, it was his personal journey to come to terms with who yeah. he was and so on. Yeah. This one doesn't quite feel like that. Happy Death Day, it doesn't quite capture that entirely. Um it's more like she's got to solve who who's who trying to kill her, yeah. which doesn't make sense for the mechanic to happen, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I have to say, I, I did really enjoy that film, and I actually liked the very first moment of the sequel where she just goes, "Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah," <laughs> uh, because she's straight back where she started from again. And oh it's gosh, like, yeah, poor, yeah. poor tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, really, really good fun, fun film. Yeah, and I also think the supporting cast is actually a lot of fun as well. Like the um, the sorority sister Danielle, who's just like 
this horrible woman, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I just love her. Like I've met people like her. <laughs> so yeah, slasher films. Slasher films. It's a, it's a big genre, and we're, we're deeply sorry if we didn't name your favorite slasher film. Mm. That's okay. From your wrong turns to your, my. God, there are some horribly named movies on this list. Prom Nights to Sleepaway yeah. Camps to Chucky's to Candy Men, although I don't think Candy Men's a serial slasher movie, whatever. To knowing what we did last summer. <laughs> yes. Um, there's so many. It's a it's a rich genre. Um, not all of them are good. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I know we named a lot of the um, the popular ones, but they're popular for a reason. Yeah. So, thank you guys for listening to the 2021 Halloween special. <laughs> we'll catch you next year where I'm sure we'll come up with another sub-genre of horror to pick to pieces. And we'll work on Scott's lisp. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. Halloween special. <laughs> thank you for listening. My name's Vince Scott. <laughs> I'm Jason. And I'm Monica. Spat my mic. <laughs> Pop Culture is produced by and recorded by Jason Eddie, Monica Porto, and Scott Sauter. The clip for this week's show was Golden Tusk's Halloween theme with lyrics, and the song at the end was the orchestral theme from Halloween Kills. If you're enjoying the podcast, please, I invite you to jump on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It helps us expand the show and reach new listeners. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're available at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash popculturepod. On Twitter at popcultureau, we're on Instagram, and we are also available on YouTube where you can watch the live recordings of the episodes that we've done during our lockdown.